So have you ever been held back or feel like you've been held back because you presented with an opportunity, but you feel like you have too much to lose? Because you know that in order to step into that thing, you've got to leave some things behind. And because of that, you're reluctant to step forward. If you've ever watched um, some of those game shows like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and stuff, one of the reasons that they're engaging and is exciting is a lot of times the contestants will get to a certain level. Let's say they, you know, they win $2,000, but in order to go for the grand prize, the big prize, they could lose that, that too grand, that too large. And so sometimes people are reluctant. They're like, no, I, I've, and the more that they accumulate, the more reluctant they are to go for that big prize. And I bring that example, that illustration up, because I've seen that a lot with folks who tend to be successful when they encounter Jesus. And they encounter Jesus, and they're reluctant because they realize that to truly step into his kingdom to follow him for who he is, they're going to need to leave some things behind, but they feel like they have too much to lose. Because we know that a true encounter with Jesus is going to call us to give up lots of stuff on earth because we're striving for the eternal. And that includes our souls, includes who we are. We see the same dynamic when Jesus encounters a rich ruler in Luke 18, 18. And we could say that this rich ruler has wealth beyond measure. Ruler, measure, okay. Um, But he feels like he has too much to lose. Jesus invites him to follow him, but he feels like he has too much to lose, so he says no. So let's look at that. The context, so Luke 18, 18 is where we start, but the context is Luke chapters 9 through 19. It's the travel narrative. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. We come to this last section where Luke, the gospel writer, he's kind of reviewing some things because as Jesus is about to be crucified, his, that's how he's going to inaugurate his kingdom. So Luke wants to review some themes, and so he does that here as well. But right before the encounter that Jesus has with this rich ruler, he actually is, he's blessing the little children. Uh, So Luke 18, 17, Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So, makes sense. Here's this rich ruler who was kind of the opposite of a child, because in that day children had no power, they had uh, no money or influence. And so Jesus says, you want to enter the kingdom of God? you got to be like this child. So, of course, this rich ruler is going to say, whoa, okay, well, what about me? (laughs) What must I do? Because I'm not like a child. I have money and power and influence. So that's the encounter. So Luke 18, 18, we begin. It says, a ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. 
When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So let's unpack some of the meaning here. Again, the context, Jesus had just said, you must be like children to enter the kingdom of God. Before that, he tells a parable that basically says uh, the necessity to be humble, to be justified before God. And it seems appropriate, again, that this one with money and power would then say, all right, well, good, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because I'm not really fitting the bill that you had just described. And Jesus it's interesting. He says, why do you call me good? He sees this man's posturing and he says, why do you call me good? It's not that Jesus doesn't like manners or customs because generally if you're talking with someone, you're, you're going to you know, say, all right, good teacher. I'm, he's recognizing that Jesus is a, at least a good teacher. But Jesus is saying, you know, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good and that is God. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's preparing the man like, oh, you want to, you know, be polite. You want to be, well, well, understand that there really is only one that's good, and that is God, and his kingdom is what you're asking to enter. So you're going to have to take all those social customs, all those niceties, and throw them out the window because God is calling you to do so much more. And we see that because of his answer to when the man says, all right, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've not killed anyone, I've not committed adultery, and Jesus says, oh, okay, you, you know, you're managing your life well? Well, let me take it up a notch. Let me tell you what you still need to enter the kingdom of God. Your heart's not right. And indeed, that's what goes on. He says, you know, God's good. He's calling him to a higher level of good than just being polite. And as Jesus says, all right, you want to know what you need to get into the kingdom of heaven? All right. You know, he, and he lists like five of the commands that mostly focus on how you treat other people, right? Don't, don't commit adultery, don't murder. And, and here the rich young ruler is like, okay, yeah, I haven't killed anyone, so check that box. Uh, yeah, I haven't committed adultery, not married, so check that box. Yeah, I, I don't steal because I'm rich. I don't need to steal. So, oh, look, you know, check, check, check. All these I've kept from my youth. So, yo, know, I'm in like Flynn. All good, winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? And maybe he's about to, you know, he's... But then Jesus, he sees that this man doesn't really have a true understanding of the radical nature of Christ's kingdom. And so he says, well, one more thing, you know, one more thing you still lack. Sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. It's as if Jesus is saying, okay, you've been managing your life really well. Right? You're a success. 
You've been managing this religion thing pretty well in your life. Right? So, well, I, I'm not killing anyone, so there's a checkbox, and, and I, I'm not, I, I take care of my parents. You know, I bought them a new condo in Miami, so I honor my parents, right, so I can check that box. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, yeah, you're managing your life well, but the kingdom of God calls you to be all in. The kingdom of God goes to your heart so that you can't just manage your life. You have to lose your life. And you lose your life because Christ is so worthy that his kingdom is so much more beautiful and so much more powerful and important than anything that we could do that it doesn't call for a little bit of life management skills. It calls for a giving up your life as you pursue the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. And this man, though, he had too much to lose. Because as Jesus calls him forward to lose your life in pursuit of the kingdom, the man, he can't help. He keeps looking back and saying, but, but I have a lot of stuff. I, I can't let this go. I've spent my whole life accumulating it. And so he can't let it go. It's tragic. And it's an example of Jesus' previous teaching. So again, in this section of Luke, he's kind of, he kind of reviews some things that Jesus has taught before. And so he does that again. Uh, Luke 17, 33. He says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But, ever, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Or maybe a little bit earlier in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I don't need that anymore. Uh, <laughs> for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul or who... who gains the whole world, and loses or forfeits himself. So this rich ruler, again, he had been managing his life well, but the nature of God's kingdom, it's not about managing your life. It's not about working a little bit of religion into your life so that you live a better life. No, it's, it's about dying to self. It's about losing your life to, to receive it eternally. But this rich man, he had too much to lose. And this is why Jesus comments, it's so hard for those who have much to enter the kingdom of God because that stuff, even if it's good stuff, keeps them from reaching forward into God's kingdom. And so, of course, as we see this encounter, we have to ask ourselves, is this, is this me? What am I clinging to? What can't I let go so that I can grab onto Jesus and all that he has for me in his kingdom. For some, it might be wealth. For some, it might be uh, comfort. But make no mistake, as Jesus says, we all have a cross to bear. We all have to die to ourselves. And Jesus' statement that it was hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, that challenged conventional wisdom of the day because the thinking was, well, that person's rich and successful because God's blessing them. Because God likes them more, he's giving them more stuff, more prosperity. But those poor people, they're poor because they're lazy. 
or they're poor because God's trying to teach them a lesson. And that's why when they say, well, then who then can be saved? Because when they looked at this rich young ruler, they saw a success story. They saw someone who had it all together, both with his finances, his family, and even, you know, he, religiously, he looked like an upstanding guy. Again, he honored his parents. He didn't kill anybody, didn't commit adultery. He checked all the boxes. So everyone looked at this rich ruler and said, yeah, there's a success. But whereas Jesus is saying, sorry, as it is, you're not able to enter the kingdom. And that's why they say, well, then who then can be saved? This guy, if he can't, well, then who can? And that's when Jesus says, you know, what's impossible for people is possible with God. And it's not just about, oh, you know, anti-rich people, you know, it's an anti-rich thing, anti-1%, you know, rich people can't get into heaven. We, we know it's not like that for a couple reasons. One is, as Stephen preached a couple uh, weeks ago, Zacchaeus, remember, he was a rich ruler. He was a rich ruler of tax collectors. And yet Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come to your house today. So it's not simply about riches, but the question is, do you have money or does money have you? See, there's an important difference. Do you, do you have things, or do those things have you? Do they have your heart? Because if they do, th- Jesus has to have your heart. In order to enter the kingdom, he has to be number one. He is the one who has to be um, the, th- that thing which you love above all other things. And so the question is, do you have money Or does money have you? Do you have comfort? Or does comfort hold you? Do you have a career? Or does your career hold you? Whatever is number one in your heart, that is what you're living for. And Jesus is saying, we need to die to self. And that is everybody. The issue is that the more you have, often the more difficult it is to let it go especially if you've spent your whole life trying to gain that thing. Again, it could be riches. It can be uh, family. It can be um, people thinking you're a nice person, whatever. If you value it and you've spent your whole life trying to get that and then you actually achieve it, then it makes it even harder to let that go. But in Christ's kingdom, Christ is king. He's king. He's number one. Nothing else can take that place in his kingdom or in your heart if he is your king. So it's a tragedy. It's, it's a tragedy when instead of that, that the other idea that what's impossible with people is, is possible with God, I think the other aspect of that is that this request that Jesus had, you've got to sell everything and follow me. I mean, it, it, it is impossible. It's humanly impossible But what if this rich ruler had said something like, well, in Mark 6, the father who says, I believe, but help my unbelief. What if he said, Jesus, I know you're calling me to this, and and I want to, but I, I can't help me. You see, oftentimes, we just need to take that step, and God will give us the strength or the surrender or whatever we need to, whatever God requires, he supplies and so maybe right now you're feeling this, this, this pressure, this sort of sense of, oh, yes, I've got something. It's number one in my heart, and, and God, I want to give it up. And you feel, don't do, be like the, the rich ruler and say, oh, I can't, so therefore I'm going to step away from Jesus. 
Instead, step into and ask Christ, Christ, help me. Help me to, to give this up. Help me to hold this with an open hand so that you can, can do with it whatever you will. Because what's impossible, what seems impossible for people, for maybe you right now, that's, it's possible with God. He can change our hearts. He can even change our desires. And in verse 28, Peter points out that, you know, unlike the rich ruler, right? He's like, hey, well, look at verse 29. Uh, you know, Peter says, hey, we've left everything and followed you. What can we expect? And in verse 29, Jesus says, you know, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So while it seems like the disciples gave up everything to follow Jesus, they actually gained so much more. They, they, they have their true identity, who they are in Christ, their true life, their almighty creator who, who, who made them for this purpose. They're stepping into that. And they're part of his eternal plan. And, and they've got the presence of God with them, Jesus in the flesh. There's nothing better than that. And so in losing their lives for Christ's kingdom, the disciples have found true life. They found eternal life. And Jesus is reminding them of that. All right, so that's the encounter, right? In this series, Encountering Jesus, what do we do? Well, we look at how Jesus encountered different people, and we say, all right, that's how Jesus encountered those people. How does that inform how I encounter Jesus today? And as we ask that question, I think first is, all right, how about you? Do you have too much to lose? Do you have too much to lose? As Jesus is calling you to follow him now, do you feel like, I got too much to lose? I can't give myself entirely to Christ. Or maybe there's a certain part of your life that you know is extra difficult that you have giving over to Christ. And so let's start on the very literal level. Maybe it's wealth. Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we might say, oh, that's not me. You know, I'm, not, I'm not wealthy or whatever. Well, listen, if you live in America, even if you're the poorest person in America, you probably have more wealth than 90% than of the world. So basically, we're all rich in this room. Again, if you compare us to the rest of the world. But the question is, do you have money or does money have you? Or maybe it's something else. What else has you? And in these moments... Maybe you know, maybe you feel the spirit right now saying, yeah, you know what that is. You know what you've been living for. And Christ is calling you to say, I'm gonna leave that behind and follow Christ. Whatever it is, whatever's holding you back, today give that to Christ. And I think the other way that we can apply this is, you know, I think a lot of us, we just... We need to stop trying to manage our life and lose it instead. And a lot of us, we're trying to just manage our life. We're managing our faith. We want, you know, we've been, in the last 20 years, as long as I've been in ministry, there's this sort of wave of, you know, um, seeker-sensitive stuff and whatever. And yes, we want to reach people where they're at, but I think in the process, sometimes we've sold people a false bill of goods. In other words, you know what Christianity is? It's just adding a little bit of Jesus to your life. 
It's just, you know, um, whatever you have in life, you know, money, power, that's good. We'll just add on some spirituality, and it's all good. Christianity is not that. Christianity is dying to self. Christianity is that we have a Savior who, although he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be clung to, but he emptied himself, and he gave his life on a cross for you and I. So if we're going to follow him, then we should expect there's going to be some losing our life going on too, if we truly want to reflect him. Now, if we just want a little add-on to Jesus, well, then, then yeah, we can come and manage our life, have a little bit of self-help moralism, But that's not Christianity. Christianity is a call to die to ourselves so that we can live for Christ's kingdom. And that in the process, we receive an eternal inheritance. And so I think sometimes we've sold people a false set of goods. Like, oh, just, you know, come and, and, uh, again, have a little bit of, of better life principles. And that's good. And, And yes, that's how we can kind of connect with people at first. But I don't want to deceive you. Following Christ is about making him number one in your life and dying to yourself. That's what it is. That's what the rich young ruler, that's why he had such difficulty. This add-on kind of religion is just that, a little bit of Jesus. I don't know about you, but... I don't need just a little bit of Jesus. I need a lot of Jesus. I need a lot of Jesus. Because I am tired of my own, only relying on my own power, my own faith, my own ability to love. It is so fleeting and so small. I need a lot of Jesus to come fill my life, to to let go of those things that I'm clinging to so that then I can truly live. I can truly step into my soul, who I was created to be. And that's, that's the promise, right? Because some of you might be thinking, oh, uh, you know, lose your life, die to self. That doesn't sound like good news. Well, no, it comes with a promise. It's, yes, you're dying to self, you're leaving stuff behind because you're going towards something better, something more eternal. So this comes with a promise. In the kingdom faith, it's trusting that Jesus is worth it, that his agenda, his kingdom is so worth so much more than what I have myself. And so yes, we each have a cross to bear. We each have something to die to, whether you're rich or poor, you know, inside or outside, or just the fact is it's harder to leave stuff behind when you have an abundance. And Jesus, though, he's calling us right now. He's calling you and saying, let go of these things. Choose to follow me and live for my kingdom. And again, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. And so, yes, you're going to leave stuff behind, but a part of our faith is that I trust that what God has is better, that his plan is better, and, and that I even trust what he values more than I trust my own value system so that the world values wealth and success and, and all of that stuff. But what does Christ value? Well, he values uh, commitment. He values love of God and love of people. So there's the promise. The, the kingdom has a different economy and you can trust in it. And so God is calling us today to lose our life. 
that has a personal application, but it also has a church application. You know, I like to say at Second Baptist Church, Christ is first, right? That's this principle. That's this principle. Christ is first. It's not about my preference. It's not about your preference. It's about Christ being first. And that starts with ourselves so that each church member says, yes, I'm, I'm leaving my preferences. I'm leaving my past behind because I want to extend Christ's kingdom. But then it also means as a church family, we also do that. We say, no, Christ is first and so I'm gonna let go of my preferences, I'm gonna let all go, go of all that because he is worthy. And so let go. Let go of whatever you're clinging to and grab onto Christ. His promise is worth it. And now a practical application too is how do we express that truth? We, we have this thing that we do in Christianity called baptism. Baptism is where we go under the water and then we come up. And that is a powerful symbol of death to life. That's why as Baptists we actually immerse because it's a powerful picture that when you step in, when you make that commitment to Christ, you want to publicly say, yeah, I'm dying to my old self and I'm living anew. And so as you go under the water, that's the picture. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to the old things that held me. And as I come out of the water, it's as if I'm walking in newness of life. So if you've never been baptized, then please talk with me. This is a, a wonderful opportunity to say, yes, I've made that commitment to Christ. I've died to self, but I want everyone to know it. Talk to me about that. Romans 6 says this. This is what I often say when I'm dunking people. We, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's what baptism is. It's a picture of that reality. And so if you've never been baptized, please see me and you want to proclaim your faith in that way. But if you have been baptized, don't you dare be like, oh yeah, I've done that. Check. Isn't that the same? That's what the rich young ruler said. Oh, I've done that. Check. I'm good. No. What does it say in Luke 9, 23? It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that means, yes, yes if you've proclaimed your faith through baptism, wonderful. But daily we take the cross. Daily we choose to follow Christ and his kingdom and not follow our old stuff. Because every day there's going to be that pull. Every day we're going to be tempted to say, no, I'm going to live for this. This is what life is about. But instead we daily say, no, I take up my cross. I die to self because Christ is worthy. So if you're, if you're still struggling, Again, if you're still like, yes, I have this thing. I can't surrender all, all the songs we just sang. I can't quite do it. What is impossible for people is possible with God. At the very, at the, you can at the very least say, Jesus, I'm struggling. I want to surrender all. I want to follow your kingdom. I want to put this stuff in the past. But in my own strength, I can't do it. Well, then, during this time of prayer, ask him for help. 
Just say, God, I, I want to surrender all. Help me. Lord Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I can't die to self on my own power, but I know you died on the cross for me. So fill me with your spirit so that today I can take up my cross. Let's pray. Dear God, you know our hearts. You know what we cling to. You know that we've been trying to just manage our lives instead of losing our life for your sake in the Gospels. Lord Jesus, move in this sanctuary. Move to those watching online. Cause us, Lord, to decide to follow you with all that we have. Lord, we know that you're calling us to leave things behind. Lord, for some, you're calling them to leave some of their pursuit of wealth behind. For some, it's their sexuality. For some, we all have something, Lord, and you know what each one of us is clinging to. Lord, move in this space. Holy Spirit, give us the ability to say yes to you with all that we have. You are worthy, O oh God, to receive all. So, Lord, move in this place. Cause us to say yes to you. Oh, Lord, let us not be, let us not follow the tragedy of that young ruler who went away sad. May we step into your kingdom and step into joy unspeakable. So, Lord, have our hearts. Lord, open our hearts to receive all that you have. Open our hearts so that we would see who you for who you are and we'd run after you. We'd run into your kingdom and leave all the stuff behind. Leave ourselves behind. Die to self. Do that now, Lord. In this time of worship, in this time of praise, do a mighty work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.